Hey, y'all out there. This is Bo Billingsley, the voice of Jet Black and the Fourth Raikage. You're listening to The Night Nerd. Stay tuned because all kinds of good things will be happening. Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Thursday, so we're going to talk a little bit of history. All week, we are celebrating journalists and reporters and the amazing work they do, uh, especially right now with everything that's going on. You know, I really just wanted to highlight them, uh, especially after you know, seeing what happened to Omar Jimenez up in Minneapolis. And uh, reporters, you know, as we've seen, whether it be video games or movies or whatever, they're the backbone to our stories you know they're the reasons we have uh, a lot of a lot of things out there but in in true night nerd fashion i did want to talk about some of the downsides of reporting today and i wanted to look at a certain time in specifically american history when we had what they call yellow journalism and this was uh the, or yellow press you know whatever you want to call it and this is when the, they would just kind of write stories to, to write stories, you know, not necessarily research them. A lot of tabloids today kind of do this. But back then, in the late 1800s, I mean, you had some of the best-selling newspapers of the time. This is what they did. And it, it's just kind of crazy. So before we get into it, what is yellow journalism? Well... Um, there, there's five characteristics that it kind of falls under. And that's scare headlines in huge print, often of minor news. So if it's not a big story, but it sounds scary, boom, there you go. Number two, lavish use of pictures or imaginary drawings. Um, three, used of faked interviews, misleading headlines, pseudoscience, and a parade of false learning from so-called experts that I think now more than ever is super prevalent uh, and, and relatable. Number four, emphasis on full-color Sunday supplements, usually with comic strips. Now, that is more a sign of the times. You know, now most uh, newspapers, the Sunday comics are in color and stuff. But And lastly, number five, dramatic sympathy with the underdog against the system. Now, they they use the word dramatic sympathy there, which I think is important because you know, the news needs to be fair and unbiased and stuff, and most of the time uh, they are. But back then, you know, it was all about whatever made a good headline, whatever made a good story, that's the route they took, and that's kind of interesting. But this all goes back to the 1890s you had really there's two people that they contributed to and that's joseph pulitzer and william randolph hearst um you should know those names if nothing else william randolph hearst is who citizen kane a lot of people think is based on but it's really the only part that's a whole nother topic so pulitzer had the new york world and hearst would eventually come to have the new york journal okay but we'll get to that. 
Pulitzer had the New York world, okay? That was his, his baby. That was his story. And in it, he had new journalism. Um, this is what he kind of called it, and it was more sensationalized, you know, talking more about murders and was it a suicide and all these things. And it was cheap. He only charged two cents for his paper, but gave like three times as many pages as the other two cent papers. So right there, you know, bang for your buck, people liked it and people followed it. And there were, I mean, there was other stuff in there because Pulitzer, and he came back around to believing this in later years, but the newspapers were supposed to be, their job was to improve society, was to inform people and work on social reform and everything. So he goes and the New York world becomes the highest circulation newspaper in New York. Um, everybody else was just distant, distant second. And they were like, well, it's cause he does all this sensationalism and da da da. And they, uh, you know, thought he was going to be a flash in the pan. Well, during this time, William Randolph Hearst was at Harvard and he was reading the, the world. And he would, in, 19, in sorry, 1887, he would get the San Francisco Examiner. And he loved the New York world. And he wanted to make the Examiner a lot like New York world. So he would go through and like a quarter of it was instantly crime stories. Uh, whether in then adultery and nudity. And the nudity, you can look up some of the pictures. It It's nudity by turn of the century standards not by what we have now um and he was stan lee before stan lee i mean he had alliteration on everything just making these headlights big giant larger than life and you know kind of just telling these crazy stories and that's what he was doing and there was a a lot of good, though, actually coming out because they were covering all these police stories and everything. They uh, were getting to see all this injustice. One example, there was a reporter named Winifred Black, and she went to the San Francisco hospital to do a report over the treatment of the patients there. Well, she found out that like the indigent women that were there were treated so bad and so horribly uh, they used the term gross cruelty that the day the article uh, was released, the entire hospital staff was fired. So there was some good to come of this. You know, it, let's, let's remember that. But Hearst, by all accounts, was a pretty greedy man. He had lots of money, but he wanted more. And he wanted to be the best at what he did. So he decides he's going to get a New York paper. And this is where the New York Journal comes in. Um, which, ironically enough, Joseph Pulitzer's brother Albert had owned the journal just a couple of years before. But Hearst goes, buys it, and takes a page out of Pulitzer's journal and only charges a cent for it. And remember, the world is two cents. And it has just as much stuff. Well, 
This is when things, the war really starts. So Pulitzer cuts his price in half, drops it down to one cent, and keeps everything. Um, well, Hearst doesn't like that, so he goes and steals. There's an asterisk, and by that word, steals a lot of the staff um, from the world. Now, there's varying stories on this. Some say that Hearst just paid more. Others said Pulitzer was a pain to work with and like abusive to his employees, so they just wanted to get out. Either way, it worked for Hearst. And they were going through... Uh, it's kind of funny, because at the time, both papers were sending the same message. They were both big supporters of the Democratic Party. They were both... Uh, all four, you know, they're sympathetic to immigrants and labor unions and laws and stuff like that. Um, it just, I don't know. They were two sides of the same coin, but competing against each other. And it was during this time that we really saw, or most people think is where the yellow journalism phrase comes from. You know, we mentioned the Sunday color comics. Well, this was the first time that comics were in color. And a lot of people think, oh, Archie's like when and Garfield. No, way before then you had the yellow kid, which hit me up. I will talk all day about the yellow kid. It's from Hogan's Alleys. Uh, it's considered like the first comic ever as far as sequential storytelling, not just political comics. So anyway, well, uh, so the Yellow Kid was being published in Pulitzer's magazine. The artist on the time, uh, Richard F. Alcott, went to the world. And Pulitzer was like, well, that, we're not going to have that. So he got another artist named George Lux to continue the Yellow Kid stories. So now both of these rival papers had the same character, but it was different stories and things. And all the other papers were like, mm, yellow kid, the yellow kid stories, the yellow kid news, you know. And that's, over the years, it just got shortened. I mean, not even over the years, pretty quickly just went yellow press or yellow journalism. Probably, if you're familiar at all with the term yellow journalism, it's because of the Spanish-American War. Uh, that's really when everything kind of came to light. And there's a lot of fake history, uh, false history around it. And what it has to do, one of the biggest things is supposedly Hearst said, you know, you, you just stay there. I'll make sure the war happens. Uh, you know, yeah, you furnish the pictures, I'll furnish the war. Well, we've kind of come to, it's been proven that that probably wasn't said, but the sensationalism of the treatment of people, both Americans and Cubans in Cuba, both these papers just made a huge deal about it and didn't fact check necessarily. They didn't always make sure that the sources were there. They just told the story that they thought would sell papers. And it's commonly believed that because of this, this is what pushed America into the Spanish-American War. Um, now, though, we know that 
nobody outside New York really read this paper. The president didn't read either of these papers. Uh, that's just not how it how it came. It just because they were the loudest guys in the room, you know, they were the ones telling the stories. And so their stories played out and it made, they were the center of it. Like, I, I get it. I mean, it went to the point though, so far where Hearst himself actually went to Cuba to be a, a correspondent. And that, when he got there, that's when things kind of changed. And they, you know, he realized, okay, we need to, take a step back and in 1901 they both both magazines published articles about uh william mckinley possibly being assassinated and things and william mckinley was shot in 1901 and hearst it was like okay hold on let's let's reevaluate everything and this is when hearst kind of took a step back because at this point he was like trying to be mayor and governor even president and he was like, no, I'm going to focus on the news. And Pulitzer did the same thing. He he felt like his, quote, yellow sins were had ruined his paper, had ruined his image. So he went back to the championing for the underdog and everything. And when he died in 1911, the world was back to being super respected and loved and looked at as a credible news source so there she was super cliff notes version of yellow journalism as you can see i mean given the wrong motive news can be used for bad and uh, that's that's something that i encourage everybody now more than ever you know fact check Facebook and Twitter have independent fact checkers that some people don't like, but it's important that if you're going to tell the news, if you're going to share these stories that are supposed to be nonfiction, that you know you don't have this type of situation where you're telling stories just clickbait. I mean, these were the first versions of clickbait. Uh, what well, I mean, obviously, you know, they weren't on computers, but what we have clickbait. That's kind of what yellow journalism was, but it was on a bigger scale. Don't know necessarily more harmful than where we're at now. That's a discussion for another time, but either way, you know, you can see there have been times in history where journalism wasn't used for good. I, I don't know, but make sure you join us tomorrow where we have a journalist, a reporter here on the show. We're going to be joined by a very special guest. Um, I'm excited. James Epler from our local Fox News station is going to be on here. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, make sure you check us out everywhere on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Mixer. The list grows and grows. Just look for The Night Nerd. Or you can email me. Like I said, you want to talk about The Yellow Kid? Nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. But otherwise, that's going to do it for me today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. What the